Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. In the past few decades, we have seen a steady increase of women entering male-dominated fields, yet we're still hearing even from younger generations of women, that they're still unfortunately finding that the good old boys club is still somehow a thing. And research and sports industries show this to be the case. McKinsey and Company's 2023 survey of 1,700 women working in the business of sports in North America found that this business trails all other industries on every dimension of inclusion. Women in sports administration face negative effects from engaging in workplaces dominated by men. They often lack support for advancement and in leadership roles and are expected to work harder than their male peers. And part of this is attributed to how often women in these industries have to worry not just about being good at their job, but also about being able to talk the sports talk, to fit in with male colleagues who often bond through extensive knowledge of sports, statistics, details, all of those things. And it's a lot to manage, but still women are up for this challenge. And today I'm excited to welcome one of those women and chat about women, inclusion, and the business of sports with Leah Boyd. Leah is a leader for a global brand focused on sports and culture that works with many of the biggest professional sports leagues. And in this industry, being in the know regarding the best players, big player moves, and all the stats can add up to some very valuable professional currency. So Leah, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here on the Advancing Women podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. DeSimone. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So one of the things I found so interesting when I was talking to you a little bit about your journey is that you're a woman who right out of the gate in one of your first managerial roles, you had to manage a team of men. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that was like for you as a new leader in a very male-dominated industry where sports is the currency and you have to be in the know. And now you have this team of men you're leading. Sure. So when I first entered my managerial role, I definitely experienced what I now realize is that imposter syndrome. So I remember feeling like, am I really ready for this? Am I ready to be a manager? Do I have what it takes to lead this team? And I think that's something that's natural, I'm sure, for many first-time managers. I think what also played into the dynamic there was being a female in, as you say, a male-dominated industry. So I think being a first-time manager feeling maybe a little bit insecure about that. Plus I'm in this male dominated field and I'm leading all men. I wanted to make sure that I could be seen as a leader and be respected for my skill set, Even if I didn't have the same sports knowledge, I do want to say that there are so many men and women in my company who have that same sports knowledge. They can talk the talk, they know the stats, men and women. So I want to make sure I make that clear. I personally am just not one of them. So (laughs) definitely, (laughs) um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I am not one of them. And so being in this workplace where sports is such a huge part of the culture and the day-to-day conversation and now leading a group of men, I did have concerns that, you know, how am I going to fit in with my group and be taken seriously as a professional if I don't even know the same sports talk that they know and we're in the sports industry? Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you bring up imposter syndrome because men and women feel it, but 
the research shows women feel it more. And part of that is that as women, we're thinking, okay, I want to show that I have this knowledge, but even if I'm a high performer and very capable of doing the work, there's also that other aspect of, am I fitting in? As you had mentioned in this particular case, am I able to talk the talk in the same ways? And if not, will there be questions as to my competency? Because even if you're very competent, whether you're in marketing or business management or whatever role you're performing within the context of the job, there's still this question of, if you don't know as much about the thing itself, then are you able to be seen as competent by others? And so you're balancing both of those things. And I think that that's really insightful and it's a really important part of the conversation. And I do hear and see in the research, a lot of women in these types of industries saying that, and I do have to laugh because I felt it myself. There are so many times where I feel like I have to prove that I like sports. Because if I really love baseball, then how do I not know who the designated hitter is for Team X, you know, or the new pitching rule or this thing or that thing? And you do start to say to yourself, well, I thought I loved the sport, but I guess I must not love it as much as somebody else. And so I think it's really insightful. And I want to talk a little bit more about that sports talk and that knowledge as currency in your job, because we do bond in our jobs with people by talking about things that we care about, that we're passionate about. And we also need to bond with people who we don't have things in common with. And sports can be this great equalizer. And in a sports industry, even more so, you're going to see people bonding that way. So if you're not keeping up on all the names and the stats and the trades and the new players, it does to a degree put you at a deficit. So I was wondering if you could speak to how you felt coming in what you thought about in terms of, okay, how do I bridge this gap so that I can bond authentically with these people? Because I know that's important for the team. Yeah, absolutely. When I was starting out as a manager with the guys on my team, I, and it sounds crazy to say this and thinking back about it right now, it sounds so ridiculous, but in order to fit in and to be included in the conversations that I was hearing, not just on my team, but around the office, When I first became a manager, I seriously listened to SportsCenter every single morning for two weeks straight while I was getting ready. So I would be doing my hair, putting on my makeup, drinking my morning coffee, and listening to SportsCenter. And I would try to keep up. I would try to, you know, take away any little tidbits of information from SportsCenter that I could. You're storing them away going, oh, I'm going to bring that up. Oh, that'll make me sound like I get it. Oh, I can use that player's name. Oh, this sounds important because everyone's talking about it. So I would listen to it and I would go to work. And the funny thing is I would try to use that tidbit and try to use that detail that I stored away with like the first person that I came in contact with, whether they were on my team or not, because I just wanted to feel like, Hey, I can be part of this culture too. I can speak to the draft pick or the sports center top 10 or the contract extension or fantasy football, even though deep down, I didn't care about it that much. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I didn't find it that interesting. And so, you know, I would, I tried that for honestly about two weeks straight and it just wasn't working. It would so backfire because it really wasn't authentic to me. And I wasn't clinging to that information. I wasn't remembering all of it because it it wasn't interesting to me and I would try to use it and it would backfire. And so um, I eventually would go back to my husband or my 
dad or my brother, they're all really into sports and they talk the lingo. And I would try to use them as my resources. And I would ask them, what's something new going on that I can speak to? And they would laugh and I would laugh, but I was really asking for help. I was asking my trusted group, what can I say that'll allow me to engage with others? And it's funny because more often than not, they would say, don't even bring that up, Leah. You're (laughs) you're going to botch it. It's not you. Like, why are you even asking about this? This isn't something that you're normally interested in. Why are you suddenly asking? So I definitely did try that route at first and it didn't work. And I pivoted and realized that I wasn't going to be able to keep watching SportsCenter or listening to these different sports podcasts that I thought would work out. I instead chose to just be honest. And so rather than trying to join in the conversation and speak to something I didn't know about, instead, I found myself asking the guys on my team, what is it that you're talking about? Why is it such a big deal that we extended the contract for so-and-so? Why is it such a big deal that everyone in the office is talking about this player that we just drafted? What is the big deal? And it's funny because you would get some surprise looks initially from people thinking, you don't know about that, but oh my gosh, the guys on my team were wonderful. And I found that when I asked the question and was just genuinely showing interest and curiosity because I didn't understand it, they were so happy to talk to me about it. And so I found that I had such better conversation, more organic conversations when I was just honest and I asked those questions. And sometimes we would even laugh because sometimes I would say, why is this such a big deal that this happened last night in this game? And sometimes I would notice that the guys would laugh and say, you know what, it actually isn't. People are kind of just being dramatic about it. It actually isn't that big a deal. So we would kind of laugh and find camaraderie in that. And oh my gosh, it was so much better than trying to fake it. Yeah, I think that's such an important takeaway. It's vulnerability. To be vulnerable and put yourself out there, especially when you have that self-talk of like, what if I do this? And they then don't think I'm competent in my job because somehow they're conflating my knowledge of this industry with my knowledge and ability within my job. So you have to get past all that self-talk that makes you behave in ways that'll drive you crazy. Like you said, listening to things you don't want to listen to and doing all that hard work only to have it not come across as authentic, but it's a brave journey. You're this woman in this industry that's male dominated, that is all about sports and you want to be known as a person who's competent and you put yourself out there and you found that it was actually a journey that took you to a much more authentic place, but it's still a brave journey. Nonetheless, I think a lot of people find that It's better to bring your authenticity versus trying to be something you're not in terms of trying to create those bonds. Absolutely. And it definitely took me time to realize that. But now that I'm there, I can totally say that I've created such great relationships with not just the guys on my team and different team members throughout the years, but with others across the organization, even those not on my team, um, by being authentic and talking to people about interests, maybe other than sports, I've come to learn that I'm able to connect with people in my company on other levels. And some of the greatest relationships I've formed have nothing to do at all with sports. And that is okay. And guess what? Just because we weren't talking sports didn't mean that oh my gosh, the world ended. It's totally fine. We're human beings and we all have different interests. And I learned that to pretend that I'm only interested in sports talk 24 hours a day, nonstop. It just wasn't sustainable. It's not who I am. And 
And you know, it's not always who men are either. So in some ways you open up the opportunity for them to bond with you on another level and to express their emotion. And I saw a very interesting article recently. It talked about what sports and talking about sports offers emotionally for men. And here's a quote from the article, and I'm really interested in your take. Quote, there are few spaces in our culture where it is acceptable for men to show emotion to see the physical affection between teammates and from coaches and players. To watch other men cry and hug in despair, heartbreak, disappointment, or disbelief is relieving to them. It gives them the space to feel those emotions too, even if not outwardly. They also get to see men be happy and openly celebrate together. And when you talked about what you talked about, I thought about that because it must have been in some ways a breath of fresh air for you to open it up and say, you know what? You can also share with me in other ways and we can bond. You can show emotions in other ways that maybe you haven't been comfortable doing so in the past. Absolutely. I think showing others that we can connect on other topics, whether it's, you know, our favorite TV shows or family life or the struggles that come with the day-to-day family life or juggling going to grad school with working full-time. There are so many stressors in life and so many things that weigh on us day-to-day. You know, you're able to find that camaraderie with others when it comes to sports, which we definitely see in my office, but to be able to also connect with one another when it comes to other stressors too is so important because I mean, you spend so much of your life in your career, in your day-to-day job, right? So to be able to connect with others and show vulnerability and show that you're human. That's the whole thing. If you're vulnerable to them and you're willing to say, okay, I, I really don't have a clue on this. You're asking for their knowledge. You're laughing. You're joking about it. Over time, I would venture to guess that they start to feel like maybe they can show you a little bit more vulnerability. But also, I am willing to bet that there are men, especially in sports and male-dominated industries that are like, you know what would be great if once in a while someone asked me how my kids were doing or what I did over the weekend with my family instead of always having to ask me this score and that sports thing. I think there's a lot of men who are like, you know, I also am interested in talking about other things and I really would like to be asked every once in a while how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, how my family is. So you open that whole thing up. That's such a great point because we're in the sports industry. So you come to work, your day-to-day projects revolve around something to do with sports. You go home, you might be watching sports that night. The weekend comes along, it's football, it's baseball, whatever it is. You come in Monday morning and everyone's talking about sports. So I think that's a really good point you bring up because what's to say that someone, male, female, someone really interested in sports or mildly interested wants to talk about that 24-7? I think it's important, especially in that sports world to be able to have other ways to connect with people. Because again, we're human beings and there are other things outside of sports to connect on. And yeah, some of the best relationships I have at work are with people when we're able to connect on family issues or just talking about what's going on. I think there are so many other ways that we can connect with one another. And again, that's really authentic because we don't all just live, breathe, eat sports. There's so many other things in our lives. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm thinking back when I was talking earlier about how talking about sports is a currency, even if you love it, there is a part of you, male or female, that knows this is still work and this is still currency. And so this is one-upmanship a little bit, or I've got to prove and so forth. And 
moving away from that strips away some of that. And I love that. And I think women in male-dominated industries can help usher in that kind of thinking. Instead of telling women all the time, adapt, if everyone could just be open and see that there's some value in being able to bring up more uh, conversations that allow you to show your emotions or talk about your family and maybe create just a little more balance between how much of our relationship is built around our job and move to a place where you're building trust and you're building relationships and you're building camaraderie, building a feeling of, I'm going to work hard for you because I care about you because you're a good person. I think it brings another whole element into the equation that creates more balance within the workplace in general. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the point you made before that it could be women we're talking about or men who are not as interested in sports. I mean, how many people are being excluded when we feel that we have to talk about the same thing all the time? Well, I actually think it's worse for men. I think being a woman in a male-dominated industry is difficult, especially a sports industry if you don't eat, breathe, and talk sports. But being a man in that industry, it's almost like the expectation. It's the stereotype. So now you're completely outside of what is considered the norm. And there can be a lot of backlash for that. So to your point, yes, I think everyone feels a little bit more comfortable when we can open things up a little bit more and say, I can learn to bond with you a lot of different ways. I can value you not just for your extensive knowledge, but for who you are as a human being. Yes. And I think that makes for a true relationship and true bonding. I really felt such a difference when I was authentic and I was talking about things that I found interesting and I asked people about things going on in their life. So we've talked a lot about bridging and bonding, bridging the gap when we don't want to just talk about sports and how you overcame that obstacle. How did that experience managing mostly men, the whole sports talk, getting over it, impact you as a leader who now also has women who report to you? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So Going back, yes, I managed a group of just men. I then eventually had a team of men and women, and now it's really come full circle and I have a group of all females reporting into me. And one thing that I think I've learned over the years is that being authentic and showing a strong work ethic, being proud of the work that you put forward each and every day, holding yourself to the same level of accountability Those are all of the things that I found are so important and so valuable in leading others. It's not important whether you fit in with the status quo or you fit in with the stereotype of what someone in this field looks like. I love that you talk about competency because what you did was rather than say, I'm afraid they won't think I'm competent if I can't talk about sports, you thought, okay, I'm going to be very competent in what I do and effective in what I do. And that's going to have to be enough for them to see that. And then I'm still going to care about bonding with them, but I'm just going to do it a little differently. And it's not going to be about sports. And the combination of those two things is going to have to be enough versus me sitting here watching Sports Center or all these podcasts that I don't want to listen to and wasting all this time and then just getting the names wrong wrong or the facts wrong anyway. It's a lot of time and energy wasted that you could use to actually be doing your job well. Exactly. And it's funny because now that I look back and I look at the great managers and leaders that I've had in my company and those who have been role models to me, whether they knew it or not, I realized that I never judged them and their leadership abilities based on their sports knowledge. I've always judged them on their ability to persuade others, 
their work ethic, their compassion for others and their willingness to be open to other ideas. So it's funny because when I think of it like that, I realized why am I holding myself to such a different standard and why am I holding myself to the standard of fitting into this made up status quo that I really internalized when if I want to be an effective leader, just like the leaders I've had, it's really about everything else that has to do with your work ethic and your abilities and your competency. And so what I really hope that the females or men or anyone, what I really want them to take away is that you can do well for yourself in your career. You can impact changing your organization by being true to yourself and focusing on what really matters in your day-to-day job. Even if you don't have that currency of the sports talk or that lingo or that knowledge that you think everyone else has, because at the end of the day, your performance is not really judged on that. And I think that's something that goes for people in any industry. Of course, you want to know baseline knowledge that will help you do your job in whatever industry you're in. But to have to be, in my example, this sports fanatic who lives it, breathes it, knows every single fact, I thought I needed to be that. And I didn't. And I'm so glad I stopped trying because that wasn't me. And I would never want to have others, especially those reporting into me, think that they have to try to be someone that they're not. Yeah, I love it. I think there's a few key takeaways. I just want to recap because I think they're so crucial because as women, we do want to transcend and thrive despite the fact that we are underrepresented in certain industries. We're making headway. But with that comes the stories that we tell ourselves of what we have to do to fit in. And sometimes that's a story we tell ourselves and sometimes we are made to feel that way. But even then, it doesn't mean that we can't transcend. And some of the things you talked about that I think are really critical is first being willing to be vulnerable and to ask questions. For all leaders, this idea that we always have to have all the answers, but we can still ask questions and be seen as competent. And we can actually build relationships with people who work with us by saying, hey, can I get your expertise on this? As opposed to thinking, well, they're going to see me as someone who doesn't know, being vulnerable, turning to them for their knowledge, which for a lot of people makes them feel really good. They're probably not as likely to think, how does she not know this is? Oh, it's really awesome when people ask me about this. I love to talk about it. I get to share knowledge with my boss, this is great. So I think being willing to be vulnerable and ask questions is awesome. Using questions as a bridging opportunity to bond. It's really a mindset shift. It's shifting from, if I ask a question, they might not think I know what I'm doing. They might think I'm an imposter to saying, I'm going to ask them a question because I want them to know that I care about their knowledge and their input and that we're part of a team and I trust them. And if you can have that kind of conversation with yourself, then you can actually bond by asking those questions. I love what you said about talking to your dad, talking to your brothers and them saying, don't ask that, Leah. Please, it's it's going to backfire. Don't go there. Having that tribe whom you trust and who will give it to you straight, not just people who will say, damn girl, good job. You got this. That's important. And you should surround yourself with people who will lift you up when you need it or when things are feeling insurmountable. Everyone needs that. But having those people who will give it to you straight and say, yeah, that's a no. Don't do that. I would just not go there. I think that's really important, especially for women, because sometimes we're second guessing and we're questioning. And I don't think it's ridiculous that we are, because we are indeed trying to prove ourselves sometimes more than we should have to prove it again and prove it again and prove it again. But having that tribe of people you trust, really critically important. And that final point about bringing authenticity, to me, that is the biggest thing to drive home. Because at the end of the day, even if 
you're doing all the things and knowing all the things, but it's not really true to who you are. People aren't going to feel that true connection or bond with you. It's going to be superficial. It's not going to be real. And I really love having this conversation. I appreciate you sharing your experiences and your wisdom. It's really great to hear how younger women in these industries that are traditionally male-dominated, trying to get ahead, the challenges, the way you overcome them. I've really appreciated you talking about this and sharing all these thoughts with us. It's really insightful. Yes. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's funny because it's not that often that I feel like we get a chance to take a step back and actually think about the challenges and the stressors that we encounter day to day, whether it's at work or just in life. And it's really helpful to talk about this, especially with someone who's in a different field, because um, sometimes we forget that we can be in a bubble when we're in our own industry and we're judging ourselves so harshly day to day on these standards that exist within our bubble. When you take a step back and you're able to look at it from the outside, it just gives really great perspective and it makes you appreciate how far you've come and the fact that, hey, I can go a little bit easier on myself. I don't have to judge myself so harshly. So yeah, I think that's one thing that women all have in common. We can be hard on ourselves because we know that we have to be. Research shows that women's mistakes are noticed, remembered, and have a more significant impact on their success. And that's always kind of in the back of your mind, right? I'm not going to be able to have as many slip ups and still be seen as competent. So it is easy to get caught up in that. I love what you said about being empathetic with ourselves, just being able to say, looking back, I handled that. I handled it in a way that I can feel good about. And when we talk about women in male-dominated industries, it's oftentimes about women and what we need to do. But I also think it's important to think organizationally about how we make people feel included, whether it's women in male-dominated industries, men in sports industries who don't necessarily have as much sports knowledge or as much interest, all of those types of things. And so each episode, I end with a manifest statement or a key takeaway. And today I want to end with this. When we talk about women in male-dominated industries, it's not just about being there. It's also about women in these industries feeling like they belong there. And even men who don't fit the stereotypical mold feeling included. But with women, research shows that we are three times as likely to leave a job if we don't feel included. All people are more likely to leave if they don't feel included. And so that means if you have great employees, but they don't feel included, they're not going to stay So organizational leadership, organizations themselves need to make people feel that they fit in. And certainly it's important, pragmatic, to talk about the ways that we adapt and transcend. We want to be able to successfully navigate sports industries, and we had a great talk about some of the strategies here. But it's also important to remember that the onus falls on leadership and organizations as well to create more inclusive environments and more opportunities for people to bond in ways that make them feel included. And there was a quote from the McKinsey study I talked about earlier, and I want to share it. Quote, organizations that recognize the urgency of this challenge and treat inclusion for women as a business priority stand to win big. It is possible to rewrite the playbook and create inclusive spaces for women to thrive, for everyone to thrive, because when people feel included, they thrive. And it takes people adapting, but it also takes that top-down leadership commitment. And I think modeling it the way you have, 
And Leah, I'm so thankful for having you on the show. I wish you all the success in the world on this journey. Thank you so much for talking about this with me today. Thank you so much. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback. So please email me at Dr. D. Simone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast. And a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.